Hello and welcome to the Flat Back 3 podcast. My name is Toby Wellington and as always I am joined by George Woodgate-Turner and Alistair, the Claret Crusader Blackwell, to talk all things football at the end of the week. Gents, how are we doing? All good. All good here, thank you mate. Wonderful stuff. Well, we're going to dive straight into it and we're going to talk straight away about the Premier League results. We're going to talk about the Premier League, we're going to talk about the European results from midweek and we're going to talk about a topic related to the Europa League, Champions League. But first and foremost, Aston Villa are in relegation form. Alistair, do you want to talk about how uh, Villa are being dragged closer and closer to the relegation battle for us? Uh, we could talk about another game first if you want. You know, it doesn't have to be all about Villa. Like, no, we'll know, talk about like, Villa what? first. What? <laughs> what, what, what are we hearing here? <laughs> Alistair doesn't want to talk about Villa because they're be rubbish. Fair. <laughs> to be fair, I didn't even watch. Um, I didn't even see Oof. the result until my, my brother messaged me yesterday because I was I was out playing a bit of golf. But uh, uh, yeah, I I don't know. It's a bit bit depressing. <laughs> Aston Villa are going down. Aston Villa are going down. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, just very quickly, Villa obviously poor form. They've uh, they've lost yeah. again this week, but I think it's the manner of the defeat and who you lost against. It was uh, winless under Roy Hodgson, haven't scored a goal in seven games, Watford, but you lost 1-0 at home against. Yeah. Um, obviously, you get the new manager bounce when Gerard comes in, but do you are you concerned at all about the fact that you've struggled over the last like three or four games or is it just something that you sort of have to come back from again over the next few weeks to be honest I think it's one of those where you just have to look at it and go like oh my god (laughs) well basically yeah like that hype obviously is great you know you get like a manager like Gerard in who's a big name manager um as a player um Mm. and then you get the likes of Coutinho and all of that being linked and all that excitement it's great but then at the end of the day like the results have to speak and the you know we've won one in eight or nine games um and you know ultimately you have to you have to say well well two things it's not a quick fix it never is and you know a lot of a lot of um a lot of clubs never learn the lesson from that and chop and change between managers so i think you have to be realistic about it and say, like, actually. Sounds like uh, excuses to me, buddy. <laughs> so is it? It's that is how's it an excuse? <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna burrow in under your skin there quickly, all right? <laughs> no, but no, you, are, isn't it? you are it's, right, you are right, but I would say, like, is there was there that much of a rebuild that needed to happen? Like um, well, I think it's exposed. Well, one of the things I think it's done, which is quite surprising for me, is it's exposed a lot of the like weaknesses a in our defence, um, which and it surprises me because you look at last season and we were the third, um, we had the third or se- joint second, I think, clean sheets in the league with Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Um, our defence was our strongest part of our our team, and then this season. It's all gone to shit with our defence. We can't keep a clean sheet against anyone. And we create all the chances in the world, but we can't actually convert mm. chances. I mean, and and so it's it's a double whammy because you're literally both ends of the stick. 
you can't do anything. You're not doing what you what your flipping job is, <laughs> basically. George wants um, to jump in. He's had not said anything yet, and we've been recording for about five minutes. George, what yeah. are your thoughts on this? <laughs> I was just going to ask Alistair. Actually, do you think it's got anything to do? You mentioned about the defence. Do you think it's got anything to do with John Terry leaving last season? Joe, you know, that's a good good point, mate. Hundred um, percent. John Terry was, you know. He was a big influence um, and he clearly had a, um, a big presence in terms of how, uh, how much he kind of helped out our defence. Um, again, going back to the point, I think it's kind of shown a few weaknesses in some of the players. You know, you look at like, I mean, obviously Toby will always speak about like um, Mings. Obviously, he's, he's always at the centre of, a, you know, like a fuck up every now and then. And um Try and reduce the swearing if you can, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but he is, though. For fuck's sake, Alistair. <laughs> he's always the one who's there when we screw up, we, he makes a mistake, and then it leads to a goal always. And and I think, you know, in my opinion, um, like, Mings is not at the right level. Um, you look at a couple of the other players, like even that a player we just brought in, Callum Chambers, you can see he's, he's <laughs> just not, you know, he's not at the level it's concert you know he's fine he got obviously a wing the fullbacks and everything like that but you know hey you asked the question mate so <laughs> but yeah you know it's um it's it's not a quick fix and it's going to be no. a case of look we're a mid-table team for this season we'll be fine you know we're still off you know way off relegation at the moment which is fine and that but like next season obviously i can see like some are a lot of changes happening and a lot I could see I could see a fair few players being like sold on even the likes mm. of someone like Douglas Louise maybe um those kind of players they're good players well, at times but I think I think Douglas Louise is a good player and he's attracted interest from elsewhere so he'll be an easy sale but I think obviously we're joking Villa aren't going to go down and uh, they'll end up picking up a few results before the end of the season but it'll be interesting to see what Gerard does in the summer because obviously at Rangers brought in a lot of players over the time yeah. that he was there and I don't think he ever necessarily settled on his best team so it'll be interesting to see if he can yeah. do that and if you don't renew Coutinho's loan or sign him in a permanent who becomes that creative force so yeah. um I think the other thing to talk about, whilst we're in the bottom half of the Premier League and we're looking at Villa potentially being a relegation candidate, um, let's talk about the rest of the Premier League's relegation candidates because it seems that the relegation battle is very interesting this season. I mean, I want to give a massive shout out to Burnley, who got arguably the result of the weekend, other than Spurs, who we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, and the man who has changed things for Burnley is someone that I am a big fan of, have been a big fan of for a couple of seasons, Voot Veghorst, who, as much as his name is fun to say and how big he is, what a player he's been for Burnley. They have absolutely turned their form around. But also Newcastle picking up another point. Um, who else won? I can't remember. Watford obviously won away at Villa. Who's the other one that got something? Who am I thinking of? No one. I can't think... think. Everton is true of Newcastle. Well, Everton lost again. And after one good performance that looked like they were going to jump out of it, they've gone to Southampton and lost. You've obviously had Norwich lose against Liverpool, which we're going to talk about in just a minute, but that's sort of an expected result. Um, and then Leeds have lost today against 
um, Man United. But I'm going to give George a massive bit of credit here because I think that he might be right and that Brentford might be one of the favourites to go down at the minute because they are really struggling. Um, in terms of where we are right now, with Newcastle starting to pick up results, Everton haven't really improved under Frank Lampard yet. Um, Norwich don't look like they've got enough to stay up. Watford just starting to pick up some sort of form with the first win in ages. Who goes down this season other than Norwich? Well, even Norwich now, I think Dean Smith has done a great job so far. So I, I, don't, know if, I don't know if you could write them off. I, I agree. I don't think you can write them off. The reason I would write them off personally is because they don't have the games in hand that a Burnley, an Everton or a, um, a Leeds have on the teams around them. Mm. I, I'm sticking with Brentford. I do no, I think, think Brentford right. are going to go down. I mean, they've been there and thereabouts in the Championship for years, always in the playoffs and that stuff. So I believe they deserve their chance in the Premier League and they've given it a good go. I just don't think they've got the depth in squad um, to kind yeah, of but, compete. And, and, know, the depth, and the depth that they do have, they don't really have the quality to keep them up. And mm. as much as the signing of Christian Eriksen could prove to be something that, you know, changes everything for the better, mm. he's going to take some time to get up to speed. I think he played an hour for their reserves this week, which is obviously amazing news for him and for everyone that loves Christian Eriksen. But um, he's not going to be ready to play a Premier League game 90 minutes for a few weeks, you'd imagine, and they're running out of games. Alistair, what are your thoughts on the relegation scrap at the bottom? I'll stick with what I said, really. I think the three which are in there now are the same three which are going to be in there at the end of the season. I get Burnley have obviously got games in hand, which is great. Um, but I just you look at the teams who are just out of there now, you know, obviously Newcastle on some good form. I can see them probably staying up now realistically, um, even if Trippier is injured for the rest of the season. But, you know, I think um, they're still going to win a game every now and then, aren't they? Yeah, I think Newcastle look like they believe more than other teams. I think they yeah. genuinely look like they've got the belief within the squad. And I think that, uh, I think it was John Joe Shelby said after the game that the whole squad feels like they can stay up and they can yeah. push on, even without, like you said, Kieran Trippier, Callum Wilson, both out for probably the rest of the season. Um, yeah, they look like they might might just do it. Is there is there a realistic? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Is it well? Is it a reality that Everton could go down? Do we think, or are they probably got too much to stay away from it? Could do. No, I don't know. To be honest with you, like. I know I said like last week about Frank's coaching team and like how well Everton recruited coaching wise. I just I don't know. It's just <laughs> I, something about them. I just like think. I, I when I see they? when I you see know? Everton, whoever they've unless they're playing like a team below them or like right next to them, like when they played Leeds and they so since Frank's gone in, they've beaten Leeds and Brentford and lost the other two. Um, it's all well and good, but you don't play Leeds and Brentford every week. Yeah. Now they've got to go to Anfield. They've got to go to Manchester City. It's not going to be an easy run. The other thing like as well, with like Everton, I look at all... When you look at a team, you look at a player and you go, oh, yeah, that's a player who's on form or doing well at the moment somewhere. Yeah. I don't I don't see any Everton player, not even likes of like Richarlison and that, who are 
you um, look at who normally you could rely on to get a goal every now and then. Yeah, I don't I agree. see any Everton player like that at the moment, and that's obviously a worrying sign for any team. Um, mm. Well, you look at oh. all the other teams down there as well. So you've got Newcastle, St. Maximan, mm. Watford, Dennis, yeah. Burnley, Veghorst. Mm. You think of all these players that will chip in with goals. You look at Everton, yeah. maybe Calvert-Lewin, but only yeah. Angelotti got the best of that with him. Yeah. Well, Calvert-Lewin's injured. Oh, Calvert-Lewin's injured as well. Has been, so. has been nearly all season. That's why yeah. they've got into trouble, because they don't have, like West Ham, don't have another option as a striker, really. Yeah. Um, like Cenk Tosson, I think is probably their backup striker. And who's <laughs> ever seen who's ever seen him? <laughs> Every time I see him, like on the bench, I'm like, oh yeah, you're still there. <laughs> oh, you're alive. <laughs> you're alive. <laughs> I mean, I just it's arguably one of the toughest things to call in the Premier League because we're going to talk title race in a minute, and we're going to talk race for top four. But I mean, the bottom six or seven, it is crazy. Like even Leicester. Um, I think they're only like eight points ahead of the relegation zone, like three, four games time. They could be down near it. Mm. It's mental down there at the minute. I think if I could pick a bottom three, if I could pick people to get relegated, I'm saying goodbye to Norwich, Everton and Brentford. Because as much as people like Brentford, I really haven't enjoyed, I haven't enjoyed having them in the Premier League this season. Uh, Norwich, yo-yo club. No one will miss them. And Everton, it'd be hilarious if Everton got relegated. <laughs> well, actually, if I could pick three, I'd pick United. But yeah, but let's let's talk United, Arsenal, uh, Spurs, West Ham. Obviously, the race for the top four. Same question then: Who makes top four? Is it Arsenal because they've got the games in hand? Yeah, I mean, what a what a comeback from Spurs and what a game by Spurs on on Saturday. I think they put mm. a hell of a performance in. Uh, the January signings have come in, seem to do a really good job, fit into Conte's system. And Ryan Sessegnon, he got hooked last week, didn't he? Taken off in 45 minutes and he had a better game this week as well. Um, yeah, big fans of Ryan Sessegnon. We're, we're big fans of Ryan Sessegnon on this podcast, I think. I, I really like him. Yeah. And Kane's hit a bit of form as well. He looks sharp. So if Kane's firing, then they've got they've got chance of picking up points. Yeah, I think that like we'll talk about the, the title race in a second, but in terms of giving Spurs a chance of making the top four, they almost had to win one of the next couple of games. I don't think anybody realistically thought it would be the Man City game, but mm. they've gone there and they've got three points and they put themselves right back in it. West Ham dropped points at home against Newcastle. They've not been in great form recently. Do you think they're probably out of it now, especially because, like you mentioned, George, depth is not a strength for West Ham? Um, I think they'll be there and thereabouts. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I won't not... write them off, but I think... Oh, how impartial is this podcast becoming today? <laughs> no, don't write them off. Don't write them off. We're, yeah. not, to write... We're not writing anyone off. Everyone's going to finish mid-table this season. No one's winning the title. Yeah. No one's going down and no one's qualifying for Europe at the minute because no one is being written off. <laughs> the way I see Every... it is, I think, 100% agree it will come down to, like, the last few games, the, the games where they play each other, that'll decide it. I'm just looking at the table now and that, but it just seems to be the, the common theme a lot of the time is the, the likes of a Wolves or a West Ham get so close, but 
the the team which has the experience of being in that position and and always getting that top four always comes out on top eventually um which is a shame because and, and obviously Leicester last season as well isn't it so um it, it's a shame but yeah I, interesting. I, I see personally either a United or a well either United Arsenal or Spurs being yeah I think, you know being in the boring category but yeah, I mean, I'd love it to be West Ham or Wolves. Oh, Wolves beating Leicester today. Great, you know? Yeah, but... They've been the so thing... quiet and just getting on... Like I said it a couple of podcasts ago, just they're just getting on with it. And they're not, yeah. like, spectacular, but they're winning games and getting the points. I think the thing is, the only reason I say Arsenal, really, is they've got, like, what, three games in hand on United? And they are in... I think when you look at fixtures, I think when I look at Arsenal... I think they'll probably win their game, no matter who they're really playing, as long as it's not one of the top three. Yeah. Whereas United, no one knows what United are going to do. They were 2-0 up and threw that away today and ended up coming back to win it 4-2 in the end. Um, but like, <clears throat> excuse me, West Ham, you've seen them drop points over recent weeks. Spurs dropping points over the last couple of weeks. Wolves, like you said, Alistair, they pick up points. They go about their business quietly, but I don't think they've got the quality to get them over the line. Yeah. I just can't. I can't see past Arsenal for the top four. Mm. It's an interesting one, but that's what I mean. That's probably, to be fair, the race for the top four is the least interesting part of the league at the minute because it's probably between United and Arsenal. And mm. um, but the title race is the title race alive? Is it back? I think it is. Oh my I god! Jolly, I think it is. <laughs> Where the bloody hell did that come from? Yeah. I think everybody sort of. I think you go into this weekend, Liverpool beat Norwich at home. That's a given. Everyone expected that, even though they went 1-0 down. Everyone, even Norwich fans, were probably like, Liverpool win. Keep the pressure on City. Half past five, you sit down to watch City Tottenham. Mm. This is surprising. Spurs are playing well, but City score in the 92nd minute from the spot, 2-2, go undefeated. Then Harry Kane pops up with a header, and the title race is defibrillated back to life. Yeah. Mm. We're back on. Is it realistic to think that going into the last weekend it could go to Merseyside or Manchester? No, I don't. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't put wouldn't pass that. Well, at this yeah. rate, yeah. At this yeah. rate, it is because you know you look at Liverpool with their next game. Who's it against? Leeds. Oh, quick, quick Google, quick Google. <laughs> I got it right there. I'm on it. Um, <laughs> like winnable game, obviously for Liverpool, and and again, like they're at home as well. Yeah, their attacking force is all like on it at the moment, like Mane, Salah and Luis. It, it's frightening, like it's it's frightening and that. So um Luis Diaz has come in and looked really yeah. good as well. What a, what a finish just, on Saturday as well, by the way. Me. Yeah. He's Great. quite a uh, George, George, as our resident Liverpool fan, how do you feel going into this like final third of the season sorry, final quarter of the season? Is it real hope or is it more like that like smile, tilt your head to the side. Yeah, we could win it. Yeah, I think like it's as you said, it's a it's a, a surprise to be honest with you. Only after watching match of the day last night, I was like, shit, three points away with a game in hand. And, you know, it's just like bloody hell. Yeah, and like this season compared to other seasons, like everyone said, oh, City's you know uh, squad depth is far superior to Liverpool's. Well, hang on just a minute. We've oh. got five, like our oh. attacking options. Mane, as you say, Alistair, Mane, 
Salah. Great goal by Mino is now kind of seen to be second fiddle striker now. Jota's Jota, injured at the minute, but Jota's yeah. injured. But then you've got Luis Diaz who's coming come in and he looks he looks great. And then you've also got the likes of Minamino or whoever, James Milner, he can play anywhere. <laughs> but I like, think yeah, I honestly like, I'll say it, Minamino, I think he's bloody awful, but yeah. He'll do a job. He'll chip in with a couple of goals there and then. Still does a job. Uh, like, yeah, the squad depth is great. It's the best it's ever been. So I'm, it, I'm, it's I'm the best it's, it, it's the best it's been that I can ever remember. Even when they won like the Champions League in 2005, you know, like thinking back right. that far, well, their yeah. team was bloody awful. They had Jimmy Troyer playing at left back. <laughs> so even their first team wasn't that good. Yeah. Um, it's probably the best it's ever been in terms of depth, but also quality because you look at what they. We're going to talk about Champions League in a minute, but what they brought off the bench against Inter Milan um, changed the whole team. Pretty well, sorry, changed the whole midfield, which changes the whole team dynamic. In mm. terms of Man City and Liverpool going into these final few games, I think it all pivots. Everything pivots on whether Liverpool can go to City and win, which they've done a couple of times over the last few seasons. This could be the biggest, I don't know, like throwaway ever. Mm. Because City going into these last however many games, yeah. everyone thought the title was done. Yeah. And now it's it's back on. Weren't they like well, 12 points ahead at one point as well? Yeah. Well, weren't they? Obviously, Liverpool had maybe a game or two in hand, but still well, they had were, to win them. They were, what were they? 10? What were they this, this week? They were at least, in, they at least. Yeah, they at least had a 10 point gap at one point. Yeah. They, were going, they were going in this weekend, nine points clear, I think, or was it yeah. 12? Because if they beat City away and uh, and they win their game in hand, they're three behind City. So if City drop any more points, the problem is for Liverpool, and as much as I think Liverpool are absolutely class, they have to win every game this season for the but rest of the season. they're doing that at the moment, though, aren't they? But, like, recently. Yeah, but, they, but they aren't playing Arsenal. They're not playing Newcastle since they've had investment. They're not playing the teams that are in form. They're playing the... Norwiches of this world and the Burnleys of this world over the last few weeks. So it's when it, when it comes to crunch time, you, can't you? And that's the thing. And yeah, I know, but I'm just saying when it comes to yeah. crunch time, that's when we're going to see whether Liverpool are real contenders I mean, or not. The the two games which I look at for City where they could slip up realistically, are obviously Liverpool won, and um, just United just because it's a derby. Just because it's United, United have got a good record over City over the last few years. You just don't know, like you just don't know what could happen. But like those are two games where if they slipped up, a, you know, got a draw or a loss, then Liverpool's straight in it. But like you said, Liverpool's biggest problem now is they just have to maintain that pressure, and they've got to still carry Absolutely. on doing what they're doing. And if they slip up, City will hundred percent capitalize on that, and they'll just win the next game, and then that comfortability's there again. City have got the experience over the last five, you know, eight years now, or, you know, even 10 years to yeah. be comfortable in uh, in their ability and actually, like, uh, uh, dealing with the pressure. So, oh, yeah, just, just persevere through it, won't they? Yeah. They won't change anything. They won't panic. I think exactly. talking about depth, I think one of the most interesting points that I will say, if Liverpool, if this happens to Liverpool, they're out of the title race. If Van Dijk gets injured or suspended, then they are so buggered because mm. who comes in for him? Like, it's Matip and who will play alongside Matip? Joe Gomez? Gomez or Canate? Or Canate. And mm. I just, without, without Van Dijk, 
it would be a big concern. And speaking of Van Dyke, I think this is a wonderful pivot into midweek because I watched Liverpool play at the San Siro against Inter Milan and Virgil van Dijk is just such a good defender. Did either of you watch the game? Yeah, I he... love that game. I, I thought oh, like, just the so... game, the game Sorry, in general, like, I, you, I don't know, you looked at that Inter Milan team and there was such like a, a, a challenge for Liverpool, I thought. They were yeah. real brute force. Um, it was a proper Milan side, you know, like, yeah. it was the first time Inter have been in the Champions League for 10 years, I think. Yeah. Um, and it looked like you look through that team, there's quality throughout the team. Yes, they've had their financial issues this year because of the pandemic. They've had to get rid of Lukaku. They had to get rid of Ashraf Hakimi. They had to get rid of a couple others. They've recruited well, like Edin Dzeko coming in. He's got like 16 yeah. goals this season in Serie A. They brought in Denzel Dumfries, who obviously yeah. really impressed at the Euros. They've still got the likes of Barella, Brozovic, Perisic. Mm. They're a very, very good team and Liverpool nullified them. Yeah. Um, in, in certain periods of the game. Like, Inter had some really good chances. Lautaro Martinez should have scored from that Perisic yeah. cross in the second yeah. half, but Perisic's cross was just a little bit high. Yeah, but, got old, didn't he? And like, to, to, to go back to Virgil van Dijk, Liverpool play with a really high line. That's, like, to be expected now. But at the minute, I, like, <laughs> a ball's played over the top, and if it's a one-on-one -on -one race, I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, it's van Dijk, it's all right. Mm. Because... Even there was this one where he was, I can't, it was Jekko, and I know Jekko's like 36, but still, Jekko had like two yards on Van Dyke. But mm. Van Dyke got back, got his arm across him, and Jekko almost like was like, oh, it's Virgil Van Dyke, and stopped running mm. because he has that amount of quality to get back, get goal side, and just do the right mm. thing. Yeah. He was the difference all night for me. Like Virgil Van Dyke is so, so good. It's unbelievable. Yeah. They obviously won 2 0. Is that tie over? I yeah. Say, oh, hang on. Oh, hang on. Don't write him off. Don't write him off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm quietly confident about Liverpool in the Champions League this year. I mean, pretty much throughout the whole group stage, they haven't played well once. Like, well, they've won. They're 100%. They've won every game this season. Yeah, yeah exactly. They've won every game. And every game I've watched, they haven't been brilliant, but they've won. No. So, yeah. and I mean, that's that's testament to them, really. So I think if they can keep playing, keep winning games, see how far they get. Well, one at the San Siro twice in one campaign. I think they're the first team to have ever done that, which is obviously amazing, playing AC mm. in the group stage and then uh, playing Inter now. In, Inter in the supposed group of death as well. <laughs> Well, exactly. They've come through with flying colours and it is that same thing, isn't it? Like Alistair said earlier, you can only play what's in front of you, but yeah. it will be the test when they get to the latter stages. And I know that Inter Milan are a good team, but it's when they play Bayern Munich. Because I was just going to say as well, with that game, like I know obviously I said about how Inter were really kind of a massive challenge and they were. What I loved about that game as well was the fact that Liverpool really had to work for those goals. Mm. Like they yeah. had yeah. to work so hard. Um, I just loved that game. I thought it was brilliant. Like a real gripping game most... where you just didn't know what could happen. And it was like it, one slipper. Yeah. It could have gone either way. In, and it was like, so it was, I don't think that I don't think that um game personally is over yet. Mm. Um I think Milan have come to uh, Anfield and it'll still be quite, you know. An interesting game, personally. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think I'm looking forward to it. 
the thing the thing is like do you've seen the best of Inter potentially with their fans behind them so do Inter have enough to turn it over at Anfield um, and you just have to hope in a way like as a neutral you want Inter to score the first goal to make it exciting but at the same time that game was so good at nil-nil that I don't think it really matters if someone scores or not in the in the, in the second leg in yeah. terms of in terms of a game that is over, Man City went to Portugal and absolutely cleaned the clock of sport in Lisbon. They are out 100%. Um, City winning 5-0 in Lisbon. They were 3-0 up in half an hour. Um, tie over. Anything to say about that? <laughs> I think the only thing I want to say is how naive Portu- uh, Portugal, uh, sport in Lisbon were to set up to attack Man City from the first 10 minutes. You yeah. want to like get to 15 minutes with a clean sheet and think, right, can we be a bit more expansive? They were 2-0 down in 17 minutes. Yeah. At home. Poor old, poor old Sebastian Cuartes. Oh, good <laughs> God. Well, the thing is, like, there was an article the day of the game that came out that was like, oh, the Portuguese manager that's in charge of sporting Lisbon is changing this and changing that. They look really good. And then they got absolutely pumped. So as good as they are in the Portuguese league, it's one of those things where, you know, they'll have four tough games a season. Porto at home, Porto away, Benfica at home, Benfica away. And other than that, it's a relatively easy league. Um, You know, so it was an interesting one, but City basically threw. Let's talk about a game that had a result that we didn't necessarily expect. And another, like Alistair, I don't know if you watched this one or George that watched this one. RB Salzburg versus Bayern Munich. What a result. To Salzburg, the, the game of the uh, youthful managers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Nagel's yeah. Mood. I don't know the name of the Salzburg manager, and I'm not going to yeah. Google it like Alistair mine. Um, yeah. But Salzburg were the better team. Really unlucky to concede late on. Um, again, that tie is absolutely in the balance mm-hmm. um, going into going into the second leg. I guess Bayern are the favourites, but Salzburg play some really nice stuff and they have done mm. for a few seasons now. Obviously, they had that team of Minamino and Haaland and they obviously previously have had like Sadio Mane, Naby Keita. They're a really good side um, and they've obviously got Tom Adeyemi up front who is wanted by a lot of the biggest clubs in Europe. Do you genuinely think, and it's not a case of don't write them off, I'm like, do you <laughs> genuinely think that Salzburg based on the team they have versus Bayern Munich, could go to the Allianz Arena and win? Well. Alistair says no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> listening to the Guardian uh, Football Weekly, they're saying, like, Bayern Don't go, are... go, blah, 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 blah. Don't go plug in other podcasts. So I was going to say uh, they're not a very good podcast. Good. I was just right, about to okay. say, um, they're saying that, like, Bayern are, like, are in pretty poor form at the moment. Yeah. And there's yeah, yeah. quite... Um, quite a lot going on behind the scenes like with the head of uh, football um and the manager like there was a, there might have been a bit of a reason why Hansi Flick left the club to go to Germany yeah, behind so, the scenes I think that's the same that's happening with Nagelsmann as well hmm. um I think so, it's yeah. Sally Ham- is it is it Sally Hamovic Sally yeah, yeah. I'm going to try to say uh-huh. his name <laughs> Well, there's, yeah, there's, so there are issues at Bayern Munich and this is something we can touch upon when we go to Borussia Dortmund in a minute as well because there are problems there as much as there are anywhere. Um, the Bundesliga, like Dortmund have been horrific this season. The teams around them are very inconsistent, the likes of Leverkusen, Hoffenheim, etc. And the gap is only six because Dortmund, are, uh, sorry, uh, Bayern Munich are yet to really hit 
any sort of really good form. Um, and I, what you what you're referencing there is the fact specifically recently that Nicolas Sula, who's obviously a German international, very highly rated centre back, has agreed to leave Bayern Munich at the end of the season, um, and that's on the back of losing Jerome Boateng and David Alaba last season, which is what Hansi Flick disagreed with. Um, so there are real problems at Bayern Munich uh, behind the scenes. We'll, we will move on to Dortmund in just a second. Um, I want to talk about one moment very, very quickly, and which was Kylian Mbappe's goal for PSG, because I was watching that. My wife was sat just with the dog next to me. And as it happened, I just went, what a goal. What a goal. And I said it about six, seven times. And then I showed her and my wife, who has no interest in football, went, that is very impressive. <laughs> was that, that was the goal of the round. Goal of the season so far in the Champions League. It was a good goal. Yeah, it was a very good goal. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's... Um, he, he Boring was... game. Boring yeah. game. Um, PSG tried to attack Real Madrid, just would not come out their box. Mm. Thibaut Courtois saved the Leo Messi penalty, but Kylian Mbappe showed that he is on a level with the best players in the world. At times, yeah. You know, mm. he... he... He's um he's definitely obviously got he's clearly got the quality there, um just obviously on a more consistent basis is what's going to get him to the level of the you know the best. But um, well, PSG, but he's, PSG. A world, he's a world Sorry. class player. He is a world yeah. class player. You know, oh. I always I always categorize obviously like you've got world class players and then you've got Ronaldo and Messi who are just insane and yeah, um, they're not human. Yeah, exactly, and and you know he could he could have the potential to get to that, just like Neymar could have had the potential to get to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, like, oh, it's a class goal, and yeah, when you see moments like that, you think it, if he just done that on a more regular basis, like, oh, it would just be insane to see him. Um, yeah, just yeah, it would be insane, and, and and the the thought of him going to Real Madrid with um. Uh, what's his name? Is it Vinicius up front? Vinicius Junior, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then even like a Haaland or something as well. Haaland, Pogba um, could be going there, which I hate Pogba, but you know, if he's in a team, if he's in a team he wants to play for, he could yeah. go back to what he was at Juve. Could do, but, but yeah, it's um, it's it's insane. Like, yeah, it's yeah, quite, but, but the PSG Real Madrid. You look at the game, and you think there's so much talent on there, and even still, Messi, you. You just think like, oh man, I don't know. That's another conversation, messy, but yeah, yeah, that can be that can be next week's is the decline of the best in yeah. the world from Messi and Ronaldo from what they were to what they are now in the space of eighteen months each. Well, yeah. Messi in like less than that, but we'll make that the topic of next week. The main topic we wanted to talk about this week, and we'll sort of include the European results that we haven't talked about in this, is. The fact that now we are in a Europa League and we are in a Champions League that has no away goal rule. Now, I don't like this at all. I think it takes away a lot of the drama from certain ties. Um, one of those, which we have to highlight, we've given our performance of the week on our Instagram page, was Rangers, who went to Borussia Dortmund. They went to Signal Iduna Park and they won 4-2. Incredible result, but no away goals. So... They could win, sorry, they could lose 2-1 at home next week. And instead of going through, they're going to extra time. So is it a good thing or a bad thing that there are no more away goals in football? Not really. I think it's bad. 
yeah, I'm not really fussed either way, to be honest with you. Uh, I get you saying adding the element of drama to it. Um, Here's a point. Time, you could argue that you've got two games of football there where one team's played better one night than the other. So it just adds up. And Well, here's a, here's a point. Um, Bayern Munich, just take a game that we've just talked about. Bayern Munich, go to Salzburg, score a 90th minute equaliser. Now, instead of that being Bayern have the advantage and Salzburg have to come out and attack them, it's as if the game didn't happen because it's essentially nil-nil. Like the one-one doesn't matter. The nil-nil would be exactly the same. Do you know what I mean? It could have been you could have the greatest game in Champions League history. Six all, amazing game. And it doesn't really matter because the away team don't gain any advantage from scoring that many away goals. You can almost say thinking. Sorry, mate. No, you crack on. You, you go I was ahead. just about to say that. I just remember like thinking like. It, I can see where it has it as advantages, but I just over watching like member watching Champions League games throughout the years, obviously watching Liverpool, and they've got a, like the, the opposition team have scored a goal, and I'm just thinking, oh, fuck, sorry, I, I like you know, oh, that's really annoying at the fact they've scored a goal now. It does add an element of drama, but I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm okay with it personally. Uh- Football's built to be entertaining, is it not? And that takes away an entertainment factor because it's even like it's even the thing of like when you go away from home, you you play away from home. Like in Europe, you know that an away goal, if you could snatch an away goal and come away with an away goal, you are basically giving yourself the best chance to go through. Now you go away, you go away, and it's like, well, let's just play as if we're at home because we're not gonna, you know, if we lose a goal, it doesn't really matter. Essentially, the other thing as well is you basically might as well just put it to one game in a neutral ground. Exactly. Because I'm for a way goal rule because not because it like it clearly does make a difference if you're three nil, you know, like City five nil away. You got they've got to score if it's a way goal rule. They've obviously got to score six goals in the next game, Um, but like to go through straight away. But it's like um, so. It, in some ways it doesn't make a difference but like just from the excitement perspective it does and so that for that reason I'm 100% for the away rule but um, yeah like I said you might as well just take it away the the, the yeah. two legs in a way and, and make it like any World Cup game or anything like that yeah straight uh, knockout yeah, yeah but the other thing as well is like you can see ju- football's just starting to it's it's a bit frustrating really in some ways um, you can see the logic, but not in a way as well. Like football's starting to try to go towards all the other sports like cricket and rugby, where it is more regimented um, in its approach, which I don't, which clearly obviously it clearly takes away that excitement, the, the controversial debates that you have in football, especially mm-hmm. um, with, you know, like Hawkeye or this, you know, like, um, whatever you call it, I can't remember what you call it. Um, the thing in rugby, the, um, the yeah, like obviously VAR and what they've got in rugby, the equivalents and all of that, um, yeah. where it takes out that controversial decision or mm. debate you have with people and it's just straight up fact, which is fine because it is, you know, it is a factual thing as well, but um, it just makes the game more boring, doesn't it? In, in a... Yeah. In a in a lot of respects, it does. 
So taking away these away goal rules, which are, you know, um, created by different people in the FA or whoever, UEFA, um, it just, yeah, it normalises the game in some in some ways as well. Which yeah, I mean, like, take basically. take another result from Europe this week and you've got, um, <clears throat> excuse me, you've got, um, who am I thinking of? Leicester beat Legia of Warsaw. Was it Legia of Warsaw they beat at home? I don't think it was now. They beat someone at home 4-1. Um, it was a Norwegian team, Randers. It was Randers. And um, they beat them 4-1. And without the way goal rule, it's like, shit, like we're 4-1 down now. We're going to have to score four mm. to win the game. Whereas, actually, Randers could go, right, we're going to set up, we're going to play for set pieces, we need to win 3-0 and we go through on the away goal. It yeah. takes away the tactical and the entertaining element of what makes a Champions League tight, a Champions League tight, like Alistair said, let's just go to one leg then and yeah. play it. Like you could just do whoever got the most points in the group stage plays it at home. And then it's neutral grounds from this round onwards, because what's the point of the second leg? Like Salzburg by Munich might as well have not have played each other last week. Well, yeah, exactly. It, it makes no sense. I don't understand why they've done it. I mean, I understand what you mean, George, in terms of like the, like the, what's the word you, you used? Like the the factor of like panic almost when a team scores. Like if you're you're dominating and then you concede, it's like, oh my God, they've got an away goal. That could be really important. But then that's the point, is it not? To make it like a bit more dramatic as a as a game. Like I maybe just it think... is. Maybe it is as well. If you look at a bigger picture, maybe, um, I don't know, maybe it's a bit far-fetched, but maybe they're, they're, it's the process um, leading towards like a, a World Cup every two years. They're going to oh. do an away goal rule, uh, ch- take that away, and then they're going to do what we just said. They might as well just put it to a single game, reduce the amount of fixtures they have in club competitions so it makes it more viable option to have a World Cup every two years so like, players aren't fatigued as much, you know? It, you it, even... it changed so quickly, couldn't it? And something yeah. like happen. You could even just do like... Group stage, spread it more through the year. Group stage goes till March. And then at the end of July, like whenever the season finishes, is it June? I don't even know. Whenever the season finishes, fly everyone out to like Spain and everyone plays in Spain, all the knockout stages. Then the next year it's in a different country and they'll turn it into that sort of thing where it's a a knockout tournament from the round of 16 onwards. But it is just infuriating that they get rid of the away goal rule because it's like those special those special nights where it's like the panic. Mm. It, I don't know. I don't know what the what point of taking game? it away is. What was the game? Uh, it was Barca, wasn't it? When they played PSG yeah. last season or season before. It, oh, it, was, it was a few seasons ago now. It completely changed the dynamics of it when obviously uh, Barca had the massive comeback, didn't it? And yeah. and based because of, I think it was because of the away goal rule. Yeah, so PSG, yeah, PSG won... They were like four one or something. Four or one at home, and then they were they won like three or four one at home, and then Barcelona were winning like two 0 They looked like they were going to pull it back, and then Di Maria scored for PSG. So it was like we have to score again and again, and that's what would made it special because Barca just threw everything at PSG, yeah. and they ended up scoring in like the ninety second minute. It's Sergio Roberto of all people. Yeah. Um, with a flick in at the far post for a for a six one win, whatever it was in the end, yeah. and you just think that's gone now because 
they could lose 4-1 away from home and then PSG score at the new Camp and it's like, no bother, we've still just got to score this man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I see exactly. what you're saying. It's, it's a shame. I think it's a shame. Like, I, I do understand you've got, like, Inter Milan, for example. Like, it doesn't really make any difference to Inter because they've still got to go to Anfield and win at least 2-0 to take yeah. it to extra time. But there's the thing of, like, Liverpool, if they lose 2-1 at home, they could still progress. But actually now it's, you know. Yeah. Uh, not 2-1, sorry. If they lost 3-1 at home, they'd go through on away. No, they'd lose on... Oh, all these different scenarios that we could yeah, discuss yeah. for the rest of the night. Yeah. I just don't think it's a good thing for football to get rid of something that was just genuinely exciting. Because take your thing, George, right? Take your point. Because we can't talk to Alistair about it. He's a Villa fan. They don't know what Europe looks like. They haven't for 40 years. Um, take your example, right? You're a Liverpool fan. You're playing like, I don't know, Basel. Let's just say someone average in the in the Euro in the Champions League last 16, and you concede an away goal, you're like, oh for Christ's sake, now we've got to worry about an away goal. But if you're Liverpool and you played away against like well, Barcelona in the Champions League, a couple of and you nick an away goal at the new camp, you're like, we are in it. Yeah? Awesome. It's like the yeah. best feeling. Even if you lose, mm. it's like the best feeling. So it's that that they've taken away as well as mm. like a two-one loss. Away, it's a good loss. It's a good loss. Yeah, you know <laughs> a one 0 win is quite easily doable. Think that game. Oh. Think that game that Liverpool. You know the uh, what was it like eighteen nineteen? I can't think eighteen nineteen nineteen twenty where Liverpool won the Champions League against Spurs in the final and they beat Barca four 0 at home. Mm. If you had got an away goal at the new Camp that night, you would have been even more confident that you'd beat an Anfield because you're like, we've got the away goal. All we got to do is yeah. keep a clean sheet. Keep mm. a clean sheet and we got a good chance. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That's the yeah, thing you yeah. lose. Whereas mm. now it's like, oh, we lost 3-1. And the one doesn't really matter. Because yeah. technically we're just 2-0 down. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the way I think about it. I yeah, just don't, yeah. Didn't think about it, that from that point. It takes away yeah. a bit of magic from the Champions mm. League. And that's that's the thing. It's the Champions League. It's supposed to be the best. But now it's mm. like, like it's just the, the main thing is. Salzburg by Munich. That's the best example. Might as well not have played. Mm. Yeah. Why the did they take that, it out then? I don't really know. The only thing that they do lose is their home advantage. But that's mm. the only thing that Salzburg have lost by drawing it. But mm. why they've taken it out, I don't know. It's worth mm. us researching, I guess. But that's the thing. We're not professional podcasters or football <laughs> journalists. We are just reacting on emotions to these different mm. topics. And... I think it's just a shame. Rangers but, Dortmund, though, great game. Rangers Dortmund, unbelievable Love game. It. Unbelievable game. Like they went one nil up to the, uh, Tavernier, Tavernier, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> um, he scored a penalty, and I thought, oh, that's nice. Rangers have scored. I'll wait for Dortmund <laughs> to turn them over now. And then I yeah. went back to the scores again a bit later. I was like, oh, yeah. this is happening. <laughs> they were four one up with ten minutes to go. Yeah. They were insane. It was ridiculous. And Bodo glimped as well, like talking about the other Scottish team. I know Celtic lost, but they lost 3-1 at home to Bodo Glimt, who mm. are, what, Norwegian champions? And mm. how good is that? The Norwegian champions go to Celtic Park and win 3-0. That's yeah. 3-1. That's but just going back, going back to Rangers, like, it's amazing to see them back within, you know, amongst the European elite, you yeah. know, doing like... 
it must have been such an amazing night for Rangers fans all around. And um, I know we're kind of going back on ourselves here, but like, I wonder what Gerard thinks now. He's yeah. built that squad. He's left for Villa. It's his team. And yeah. he could have been at Rangers in the Europa League right now. Yeah, you know? instead he's in Birmingham. Oh! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm just... Okay, it's a shame. <laughs> mm. yeah. Matt Target, his best left-back, has gone. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Rangers because, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a real awesome night for them. They deserved it. And it, it is that thing that Dortmund are in such poor state at the moment that their best player, essentially, without Haaland, that's dragging them through games is Jude Bellingham, who's, what, 18, 19? Yeah. And that's not good. As much as I love Bellingham, that's not good, you know, if mm. your best player starting to get you back into games is 19. It's not good. Um, mm. But overall... A, a brilliant week of European football. As much as we don't agree with maybe the new rules, some of the results, some of the games, really, really entertaining. And really looking forward to the Champions League being back again next week, where, of course, we get to watch... Um, who have we got? Chelsea are obviously playing. And who's the other English team? United. Yes, United are through. The, who have they got? I can't think. Oh, they've got Atletico Madrid, which will be a good game as well. Um which I actually think United will win, even though I don't rate United. I really don't rate Atletico at the minute either. No. So there's a there's another discussion point. <laughs> yeah, Atletico, Atletico. Are quite a bit of poor poor form at the moment, aren't they? So... Well, Atletico are Atletico are fifth in the league, so mm. you know defending champions struggling. Um, mm. Real Madrid are top by about six, but Atletico can't really hit any form, and one of their better players, Cunha, is out injured for the tie as well. So. Be interesting. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that one turns out. But um, yeah, I think that's probably a good place to leave European football for the moment. Do you think that's fair? Yeah. Is there anything yeah, yeah. else you guys wanted to talk about? Because obviously, there's actually I got a great one. Did you see that Jose Mourinho got sent off yesterday? Yeah. Again. No. Yeah. Do, do? do you know what he did? And anyone that hasn't seen this, these guys will have to go and watch it. Jose Mourinho, during a game, picks up the ball when it goes out of play and just boots it away <laughs> in frustration with his team. He just picked up a ball, boom, straight into the stand. I mean, what an absolute legend. I know it's like yeah. the absolute worst thing he should have done, but... His team were drawing 2-2 away at Verona and he's like, nah, this is crap. It's like when I play football manager and I don't understand how I'm not winning a game. He's just gone, instead of turning it off and on again, he's just booted his laptop, essentially. <laughs> Jose Mourinho, bringing joy to football wherever he goes. The grumpiest yeah. man that brings the best entertainment, 100%. Oh, yeah. Um, he's just got grumpier and grumpier as he's got older, hasn't he? Oh, mate, absolutely amazing. And what he started doing now is he started to regress as well in the way that he dresses professionally. The yeah. grumpier he gets, the better <laughs> his attire's getting. So Chelsea United, suit. Then he went to yeah. Spurs, track suit. Now at Roma, he's wearing a polo and a zip-up jumper. The bloke yeah. is amazing. <laughs> his next club will just be in his pyjamas. Yeah, he'll have a blanket on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear me. That is funny. But shall we go to our quiz section to finish off the podcast? Oh, go on then. Well, anyone that's listening for the first time, welcome to the podcast, first and foremost. But 
We are doing now what is our quiz section. Now Alistair and George are going against each other for the uh, right to not have to do a forfeit on the last podcast of the Premier League season. Um, at the moment, after three episodes, George trails Alistair by five points to three. And this week, I've done our, our quiz section in honour of a Villa and Liverpool player. So a guy who played at Villa, Ooh. now at Liverpool, who this week made his 800th appearance in his professional ah, career, I am, right. of course, talking Legend. about Jimmy Milner, who yeah. came on against Inter Milan to make his 800th appearance. Now, just a brief word on James Milner before we go into the section of quizzing. Um, what an achievement, 800 games. I'm going to come to Alistair first, George, and then I'll come to you. Alistair, when he was at Villa, obviously a very, very good player, obviously signed up uh, and went on to sign for Man City from Villa. Um, what are your thoughts on him as a pro and what he was like at Villa? Uh, he was just like, he was class, he was. I remember, again, going back to last week when I was talking about like a great team for Villa. He was part of that with the likes of Barry, him, himself, Young, Downing, who were all great at the time. Carew, all of these. Yeah, you know, he was in such a, like, he was in such a great period of our kind of, you know, my time watching Villa. Um, yeah. And he was just that versatile player who you could always rely on, on in any position he played in. Um, generally, when it was in like centre of midfield, on the wing, bit of an attack and roll, or even in defence, he, he'd mm. always do a job and he was just class. Like, it's really funny because like, lying in. You just go. Yeah, it's really funny because like when he went to Villa, because he was obviously at previous clubs, and it was when he, he signed for you from Newcastle that I was like, oh, he's actually really good whereas yeah. at Newcastle he was more of like a workhorse and a bit of a winger but not a very fast one yeah. when he went to Villa it was like oh he's actually decent yeah George it, as a as a Liverpool fan seeing him now towards the end of his career he's been at Liverpool for what, five seasons now I think he's racking up appearance after appearance 800 for his career and rumours that he'll sign a new one-year contract um, by the end of the month um, what are your thoughts on him as a professional and as a Liverpool player yeah, I mean, like as you say there, there's rumours that he's going to extend his contract. And I think that's great for the club because he's, his experience and his professionalism will just be so vital for all the youngsters at the club. Um, there was a funny, funny story that I read the other day where it was just like, oh, James Milner, 800 appearances. Can you like think about five appearances that come to mind? And it was just like... Mm. No, it's not really. But he's just <laughs> so consistent, and there isn't anything that like springs to mind. But yeah, I guess that's testament to him, really, because he's just he's, so consistent all the time. He's one of those players that doesn't do anything flashy or like mm. he's never in the media for the wrong reasons or anything like that. He is just the consummate professional. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a massive credit to him that he's played 800 games. That's incredible for an outfield player as well. Like, that's quite... It's not common, but it's more common in goalkeepers than yeah. it would be an outfield player. 800 games. And just... let's think about the fact that right now he's still playing for a team that yeah. recently won the Champions League, the Premier League and the Club World Cup. It's a great mm. achievement. Well, I was just going to say as well with, like... Um, I'd say some of like the most enjoyable um, period I've watched him is actually at Liverpool, especially in like the last, you know, I, I've still enjoyed watching him. Yeah. Like, I, I still watch him in games like this season. I've remembered times when I've watched him in games for Liverpool when he's played and I'll just follow him in the game because he's such an interesting player to just kind of, you know, follow around the pitch yeah, and, yeah. and just see how he actually plays and being an old player. Those. And that. 
he's one of those that like if you know you're like talking to a young player now you're like be like that be yeah. that because yeah. that's what you want in your team you don't want um like we talk about mbappe like obviously you want someone as good as mbappe but don't model yourself on someone who does something every three games yeah. Do get something that is consistent. Mm. He, like we talk about Virgil van Dijk as a Rolls-Royce player, James Milner is quite close to that level in mm. certain positions. I think now he can be exposed when he plays at fullback. Obviously, he played up against Foden earlier this season and got torn a new bumhole um, yeah. just because take him on the outside, he's not very quick. But now, bring him on in the middle of the park and he will just control a game he's just a very very good player still and I think mm. I think he's 37 now like going on to 38 next season and if he stays at Liverpool I don't think he'd look out of place mm. um go on yeah I was, I was just going to say that I thought when Leeds got promoted I thought he was going to go back to Leeds um mm. especially when his contract was supposed to expire last season I thought oh it'll Could go, go back to Villa he'll go back to always Leeds. said that didn't he and then, he always said yeah. he wanted to go back didn't he hey so, he'd go back to Villa uh, I'd I'd take him 100%. I'd 100%. Yeah, well, mate, imagine that That's if out. you've got you've got Coutinho running around in the number 10 role and then you've got Milner and like Douglas Louise in behind him. That's very very good. Or John McGinn, sorry. Like Ramsey. Oh. He'll take Ramsey over. Or, there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, true. James James Milner and Robert Pires in the middle. With wrong treat at the back. But let's go into our quiz section. Obviously, our quiz is all about Jimmy Milner this week. If you haven't played before, play along at home if you think you get the answers right. Obviously, George and Alistair know the rules by now. Whoever shouts out first and their box lights up on Zoom, I'm going to come to them and I am going to take their answer first. If they get it wrong, it bounces over to the other person. If they get it wrong, it goes back open to both people. Are you guys ready to answer some questions on James Milner? Go for it. Wonderful stuff. Okay, well, we talked about his debut. He obviously debuted at Leeds at the age of 16, having made his 800th appearance this week. What club did he make his debut against? Crusader. Go on, Crusader. Let's go with United. Oh, full name of that team. Oh, okay, Man United. No. Goes to George. In that case, I'll go for. Um, <laughs> I'll go for. It is not Newcastle. It opens okay. back up. Anyone can jump back in. Crusader. Crusader. Liverpool. It's not Liverpool United. No. <laughs> that famous Woodgate. Woodgate. Let's go for Manchester City. It's not Manchester City United. I'll give you a clue. United oh, is in United. their name. Okay. Crusader. It's back open. Yes, Alistair. Newcastle. It's not <laughs> Newcastle that George has already said. Oh, is he? Oh. Uh, George, it's back to you. Think okay. of United. Uh, They're still in the Premier League now. Oh, I know who it is. We've talked about them today. <laughs> Sorry, headphone users, for the screaming, but I can't believe this. Oh, God. Is this open or is this his? Okay. No, this is George, which is painful because he's going to sit here for ages thinking. Okay, hang on. I'm going to have to need No, it, I don't it. want to hang on. Um, <laughs> it's 10 o'clock. Yeah, I can't think. For the for the uh, interest of the listeners, I'll, I'll pass that one. 
Crusader, West Ham. It's West Ham. Thank you. Good God. Right. Okay. Perfect. Question two. That's right. We've been doing this for about three minutes and we're on question two or four. <laughs> question two. What squad number did James Milner wear for Aston Villa? Oh, Crusader. Alistair. Seven. No, it's not seven. Alistair has got it wrong. Oh, A Villa question. Oh, George, it's to you. It's eight. It is eight. Oh. <laughs> Amazing. George has pulled himself back on this week. That's brilliant. So eight he wore, of course, where he wore number seven at City and then Liverpool. Okay. So third question. In his highest scoring season, how many goals did James Milner get? <laughs> now... Alistair and George will give me an answer, and whoever's closest will get the point. George, I'm going to come to you first. Up. <laughs> ten. George, ten goals. Okay, Alistair, how many? That's a tough one. Oh, for f- let's go. <laughs> um, let's go with any nine. nine. Oh, oh, so gone nine <laughs> in the hope that it's less than left. 10. Yeah. <laughs> and Go on, with be his more. Ta- like 12, with his tactic, Alistair has won the point. Oh, James bloody Milner's, hell. James Milner's highest scoring season, he seven. only scored seven. Yeah, and that was for Manchester City. So not a goal scoring midfielder. Uh, oh. Last question, not one related to either of his clubs, but what foreign language is James Milner fluent in? Woodgate. Go on. Spanish. It is Spanish. Go on, George. <laughs> he knows he knows his James Milner facts. He bloody loves Miller. Okay, perfect. Well, that wraps up the quiz section. So the scores haven't changed that much. The gap is still two. It is seven five to Alistair. It's like the away goal rule. There's no point in it. <laughs> There's no oh. point in the quiz anymore. Oh, oh, I changed my mind. I changed my mind. I really like the away rule. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's good that you came to a decision quickly there, George, instead of spending 30 seconds thinking about United that's still playing the Premier League, but aren't Newcastle or Man United. Uh, <laughs> Let's go. Uh... <laughs> oh, dear. This has been the Flatback 3 podcast. I have been Toby. He has been Alistair, the Claret Crusader. He has been George, take five minutes, Woodgate Turner. This has been another great episode. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, subscribe on YouTube and listen to us on Spotify. And we will see you soon. Bye.